So welcome to Language for Liberation. This is your boy OG Baca, aka Bakari Ibrahim, aka the Hair Naughty God Body. Uh, bringing back some old uh, AKAs for y'all today. Uh, joined by my illustrious philosophical guest, uh, actually never never a guest, always a co-host, Mr. Barrett Holmes Pitner. Uh, how you doing this week, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good, man. Just uh, same old stuff. I'm I'm liking that our hair look about the same. It's like we we look it in a mirror when we when we, when we chat. I love it, man. I um to the audience and to you. My mom's a hairdresser. Um, she's been a cosmetologist my whole life. My dad actually owns a hair care company. So they got tired of seeing me on FaceTime, like <laughs> with my hair, just like they're like, yo, quarantine, like we raise you better than this though. Like <laughs> so I've started a new hair regimen that's been working out uh very well for me. So uh you oh. know as of y'all who see this video, you can see my luscious curls. Oh wow. Okay. I I should I'll 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 chat with you about hair regimens. I need to I need to find a good one. Uh yeah, so how you doing this week, man? I'm good. I'm good, you know. Just just another week. Keep on trucking. We got the Alters project we're we're doing, so that's keeping me quite busy. You know, organizing the creation of these cross-cultural altars and and collaborating with various groups. So it's pretty exciting keeping me busy. But but yeah, it's a, it's 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 good. Dope, man. Dope. Well, um you know, let's get right into it. You know, um, we talked, I think we talked about this week's word before the debates. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, you know, when you told me the, the word, the word or the phrase this week, I was like, I have to think on this one. Like, I feel like we, I feel like I have to like wrap my mind around what this was. But then I watched the debate. And then I was like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell everyone the word or the phrase. So the phrase this week is the b- banality of evil. The banality of evil. And, you know, I, I, I won't even give my takes yet. Tell us about the banality of evil. How did you uh, get to this? And then I'll tell you how it kind of related to the debates and what I saw. So perfect. So, yeah, this. So the phrase, the banality of evil, is a, a famous phrase, actually. There's, philosopher Hannah Arendt came up with this phrase decades ago, like a little bit after World War II. She was working at the, at, for the New Yorker and she was sent to monitor the trial of Adolf Eichmann, who uh, was a Nazi who escaped uh, and fled to Argentina. He took on a new name and he got captured and was brought back to stand trial for you know the Holocaust and all the horrible things that Nazis did. And when Hannah got there to monitor him, she was hoping, or not hoping, but at least envisioned that this evil person would look like how you would imagine an evil person to look like. And he just seemed like a boring, bureaucratic, slightly dim, not the brightest person, functionary. He was just like, could be like a bland accountant that you live that lived next door to you, yet he did all of this horrible stuff. And the defense that he he gave as to why he didn't think he should be punished was also like, I was just doing my job. You know, like I wasn't, I didn't actually kill all the Jewish people with my, you know, the other people, the 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 only Hitler and these higher ups you did. I was just doing work. So like the argument that he gave uh, as to why he shouldn't be punished was also quite banal. 
and his life was was just boring and banal and it didn't look like how you would expect evil to look and this realization was was quite big because we've always kind of thought evil looked evil evil didn't necessarily look like your neighbor but this perspective showed that it did and so also the term was quite controversial because people tried to like misconstrue what she meant and they thought that she might have been saying that evil was banal and it's like no she wasn't saying that evil was banal she was saying that people tried to make their evil look banal or that evil could look banal while it's catastrophic and so i think about this term a lot and i think about it with regards to the united states because we live in a society that has a level of terror that has been the norm for so long that we just kind of shrug about it and they're like eh. and it's just it's it's okay it's that's how it is and it's like just because we're used to you know terror or evil things being our neighbors that doesn't mean that it's not evil and if you think of the south in particular if you just if we go back to slavery but even to segregation like you would cross one side of the tracks and there would be you know one side would be african americans on the other side would be a, a lot of white racist segregationists and those people would be having fun and you know going having regular jobs and going to the store but they're like avowed racists that vehemently hate everyone that looks you know that's black just because we're used to those people uh appearing normal uh while they don't let black people swim in public pools um that doesn't mean it's not evil we've like we've made it banal and i think a lot of what we see with trump and this present administration how they they normalize you know all these terrorist groups and these you know, these these domestic white terrorist groups is a is a continuation of just how america has made our brand of terror seem banal and less evil um you know thank you for that because much of what you said is kind of like in thinking about the word is kind of, you know, the things that I thought about, you know. So I want to go back to something that you said about um, a phrase that you said about just doing the work. Um, the Nazi guy who said that, you know, hey, other people were controlling this. I was just doing my job. And it made me think of like police and ICE officers. And even I think um, a story that came out this week about that racist guy in Alabama that was, um, yeah, yeah, the senator. Oh, the, the, oh, the guy... He's not the senator. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure which. I don't know. There's. I forgot who the other. Doug Jones is the Democratic senator. I forgot who the Republican is. But I know Tommy Tuberville is running for Senate, and Jeff Sessions uh, was the senator. Huh? It was Jeff Sessions. It was Jeff Sessions. Okay. And there was a quote from Jeff Jeff Sessions. I guess it was some leaked audio where he said, "We need to separate them from their children." in referencing, you know, immigrants coming into um, the United States. And when you think about the banality of evil and you think of, you know, 
specifically in someone of just Jeff Sessions stature, you know, someone who would run on a campaign of that family values, law and order, um, you know, a good America and looking out for each other to suggest at a whim, it seems that you need to to separate people from their children in order for them to understand that this is not a place for them. How evil, how quickly that evil plays. And I think it goes just to that, the, what you were saying about across the tracks in that you have these communities that would have been thriving communities and had barbecues and had block parties and did their whole thing, but don't dare a black person or some or a person of color try and participate in that space or all hell breaks loose. And we're seeing like a, um, you know, re retreat to that. I, I wonder about, about places like Portland um, and cities that seem to have been housing a lot of this community that are now emboldened now um, because they've been told to stand back and stand by or they haven't been reprimanded in, in that way. But how does, how does what I'm saying like land on you? Like, no, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Like, I, I think... Like American society has has condoned evil for the longest time. Like there's no there's no way that you could view slavery or the treatment of indigenous people or just how white people treat non-white people in the U.S. historically as being anything besides an evil way to interact with with humanity. But it's been our norm, and Let's look at the conversation we had about our founding fathers. Say we, we talk, we're talking about Thomas Jefferson. We all know that he owned hundreds of people. There's, there's no ambiguity to that. But what we're encouraged to talk about is the ideas he had about democracy and, you know, how, how sophisticated and, well, and how polite he was and all, all sorts of stuff that make the fact that he just owned and tortured hundreds of people and made his his livelihood was based off of torturing people just seem kind of eh, we'll, we'll deal with that later we'll focus on all these other things that are so polite about him we're like we're making that evil seem banal and that is just so normalized in the u.s and we don't have the language to describe what we're doing and how it impacts what we do today. And, you know, the, 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 the things that Donald Trump and the Republican Party do today that horrify people are not new things to America. Like, they're things that people in America did 50 years ago, 100 years ago. There's, it, there's a playbook already that exists about how this could be viewed as okay here, and you can't combat it uh without being able to name it you know um it's interesting you say playbook because you know as i was watching the uh debate and watching clips following you kind of had this sense that there, there was a, a playbook in play that you know it's just like i think i saw a really good tweet where it was like you know debates are like football teams it's like you come in with who you want to win but you're still going to be a fan of your team <laughs> yeah and <laughs> in, in that like you know the Pence team, the Trump Pence team, they have a playbook that would that's rooted in this banality of evil uh, that we've talked about in this community culture that, you know, they didn't even have to really retort 
report back to anything that, you know, Kamala was saying, or even acknowledge, you know, a lot of the specifics or the facts or the rules that that's brought out, because the the playbook was in play, you know, in that this is what works. Uh, this is the feeling of our community. This is what we're going back to. It, it is what it is. And, you know, I think it's funny that the, the debate really cued it in on you because you know, Mike Pence was he's as banal as you're gonna get like you couldn't find a plainer looking person than mike pence like he's like one complexion including his hair like it's wild you know like you just can't look blander than him but if you look at how that debate went he just obfuscated and lied the whole time in a very calm way the whole thing if there was a question that they asked him that might require him to express his opinion that he knows is not socially acceptable, he's not even going to entertain even answering the question. Like, there's just, there we go. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, he wouldn't say that what he's doing is evil. He'll just say that, you know, the other people don't like it, but I know it's good. And therefore, since I know it's good and I know that they won't like it, I'll just not answer the question because if they know what I, if they know what I plan on doing, then they'll say you can't do it or they won't like me. It's like, that's just become such the norm of obfuscating your intent so that you can give a banal facade. And now the obligation is on the other people to imagine the evil that you could do while you don't openly say it at all. It's, it's the, the entire tactic. And, you know, like, and Donald Trump, when I, like, when I thought of this word for the week, it was when Trump came back from the, from the hospital and he did the mask. It's like, look at this. Like, this is evil. Like, he has a contagious, deadly disease, and he's just acting like he doesn't have it. And as he walks around and does photo shoots and exposes all these people in the White House, he's putting all of their lives at risk. And, but there's no one screaming. It doesn't look like something evil is happening. It just looks like this guy getting his photo taken. And it's all evil that we're watching. Like people in that space are literally being exposed to something that could kill them. And we're just inclined to just go, oh, you know, okay, that's, and it's, it's just so bad. That, that, that rings for me because um, it's like we almost expect evil to always be malicious when I think what we constantly find is that evil is kind of in many ways rooted in like uh, selfishness and individualism, which is kind of the root of kind of what we bring around to every, everything when it comes to the United States. And that, you know, to, to say that, you know, Donald Trump doesn't care for the other, other people around him is that evil or, you know, to wear a mask is a way of protecting others, <laughs> you know, and not wearing a mask on your own, you know, what is that? Um, no, it's like, like what you just said reminded me of an earlier episode we had where I talked about the distinction between having a conscience and consciousness yeah and i think in the west they like this idea of a conscience where there's a thing that just tells you inside you 
how to be good. And there could also be a thing that's inside you that tells you to be bad. And you know the distinction. Like you choose to be evil or you choose to be good and you know it. Mm. But what, when you think about consciousness, like consciousness is about the awareness of what's going on around you so that you can then make decisions that help life continue. And the lack of awareness you have the easier it is for you to make catastrophic decisions that impair life. It's like, you know, it, it, I guess it, a good example would be driving a car. You know, like the amount of people that get into car accidents because they're just not aware of what's going on because they're looking at their phone or they're focused on something else and then they hit someone and kill them. Like that person did something evil. They didn't have evil intent. They didn't decide that I'm gonna be evil today and not care about people and I'm gonna go run someone over. They didn't think that, but their lack of awareness, the fact that there was, they were not, there was no consciousness about the world around them made it easy for them to do something very, very evil. And, you know, like that is how America functions in many ways because we are very focused on, on self and not, being aware of others or the suffering of others. And it makes it so that we do evil things and make it seem normal. And it's a very big, big problem. Yeah. And so, you know, clearly Donald Trump, as he was on that balcony with, you know, as he's heavily contagious with COVID, he isn't, his consciousness isn't aware of the people around him that are exposing that he's exposing to COVID. He he's decided in his brain that it's not contagious or that maybe he cured it because he's the healthiest, strongest person ever. And of course they're not going to get it. And you know, he's doing something good. He's showing that he's a leader. That's, that's his thoughts. It's all evil. <laughs> hmm. That's really, that's something really interesting because, um, Something, a discussion I had with someone earlier this week about like consciousness and we were exploring a quote that someone had said in that anyone that has messed up in their life at a certain point, they can look back and say that they know the point that they messed up. Like anyone would, like if you ask them, they would say like, oh, like when did your life go wrong? They'd say like, oh, it went wrong on this day or it was this that happened to me that my life went wrong. Okay. And so... We were having a question about decisions, and basically the, the question was essentially when you're making a decision between right and wrong, or even doing something, do you always know that it's right and wrong when you're making the decision? You know, or like, let's say it was Donald Trump. Is it that Donald Trump knew that not wearing his mask could endanger people and did it regardless of that because of an outcome that would benefit him? Or did he... Did he not know at all, you know? Yeah, like, no, you don't, you don't know if you're making a right or wrong decision when you make it. Like, you just know that you're making a decision. And, you know, something that's right is normally something that you would consider to be healthy or sustaining, mm-hmm. that, that, that perpetuates life and existence. Something that's wrong is something that doesn't do that. So like if you invest in a stock and you hope to get a, a return of, you know, a hundred bucks and that place 
goes, does incredibly well and you get a return of $30,000. That's a good decision because now that amount of money can help you live really right. good. You know, if you lose a bunch of money, that's a bad one because now it's harder to live because you just lost a bunch of money. Um, and, you know, evil in this context is really when people don't value human life in their decision making and that they'll make decisions with the explicit intent on destroying human life and think that they're going to come out the other end completely clean and that life will be better because they just went and killed a whole bunch of people. That's crazy. That's objectively evil. And, you know, like say the, the thing about the banality of evil is if you envision that this evil person could be your neighbor, like normally, you know, a neighbor, you want to be neighborly. You want to envision that you guys collaborate in a way that sustains each other because you have a vested interest in the community and making sure that the environment that you live, which hypothetically like your kids or da 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 da, is, is well kept and is good. And that's a collaborative thing. If the person that lives next to you, you envision that they have the potential and they'd be perfectly okay with just killing you, <laughs> that's some evil stuff. Um, but yeah. like America kind of exists with that being baseline. That's why like your property is a place that's supposed to have a big fence up around it. And if someone comes on it that you don't like, it's okay for you to kill them because you are assuming that they don't have your best interest. They're an intruder. They're an evil person from across the street who are coming here to kill you. Um, so like there's this whole narrative where we just assume evil is like a baseline and that's just normal and banal and we go from there. And it's just like very, very problematic. Just so bad. Yeah. Uh, I think this, this may be my last point for today, but that made me think about how, um, because there's this culture of evil or there's the culture of get off my property or there's a culture of I'm protecting what's mine and security, it creates such a barrier for us to, to make allyship or create lines across like communities because they they look at us as evil or there's a look, there's an, there's a uh, predominant expectation of evil before good. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like a, sub, a subconscious acknowledgement of that rather than a, a, hey, you know, I'm just protecting myself. I think that, you know, people will say that, you know, well, I'm a nice person, but, you know, they will shift away from you or they won't go certain places or they'll say that this neighborhood is sketchy. And it's all, of, it's all kind of based around that expectation of evil before good. And you can only expect evil before good if you've been practicing evil all the time and you fucking know it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, like, America is one of those places. Like, there's, no, there's nothing that you should ever articulate that's not evil about colonization. Like, they just came in here and killed a bunch of people and took their stuff. Slavery. As evil as you're going to get. And if you build your society around this whole... Con convergence of multitudes of evil you're going to normalize evil actions as being beneficial right. that's just how it's going to be and you know it's you just go to sleep and you just understand that your neighbor is a person who would be okay killing you if you like stepped on their lawn so just don't step on their lawn you know that's how you deal with that you know 
just weird things like that. And, and you can see that, you know, there's definitely lots of Americans that don't want to have that. They don't want to have that. They want to create community and bonds and good relationships and, and encounter evil. But we don't have a language for that. That's not a thing that we've been brought up learning about. We've been we've brought up learning about how you should anticipate evil, but view that as just normal and that they're actually good people, uh, unless you do this thing that makes them like, you know, do that evil thing. You know, and so it's it's this really toxic dynamic that I feel gives people so much anxiety, makes everyone less safe. And it empowers people who just want to do evil things. And so like with Donald Trump and, you know, the GOP largely, they just profess evil actions and we don't have a counter for it because we haven't, America hasn't existed to prevent people from acting in this way. It, it largely exists to encourage people to act in that way and prevent people like, you know, largely like African-Americans from trying to do stuff that dismantles that evil. Um, and that's really troubling. That's, that's extremely troubling. And so this, this phrase, the banality of evil, I think is something that we need to be aware of and incorporate into our understanding of the United States. So at the very least, we can define what we have tragically normalized so that we can then try to make something better. Agree. Agree. Unless you have anything else to add, I think that I think that covers the banality of evil. Thanks, man. Now I I I don't really have much else to say. But last thing, clearly, uh, go to our website. You know, check out the Alters Project, all that stuff. Bakari, you're better at saying those things than I am. <laughs> for sure, for sure. With like Barrett is saying, you know, the Alters Festival is about to kick off, and we are, you know, in the midst of the Alters Project, where we are, you know, celebrating the lives of our ancestors. Who have come before us and you know looking to build upon that as we look towards our future so to learn more information about the altars project you can go on our go online on our website or on instagram and social media at scl.community it's the same for both so which is very easy uh you can find out more information you can donate to our efforts and you can listen to all of our podcasts uh, whether it's language for liberation or any of the other podcast content that we put out uh, on sustainable culture lab radio but with that being said it's been your boy og baka i've been joined by the great philosophical host mr barry holmes pitner and we'll catch you on another episode of language for liberation next time peace peace